Good morning, and welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of the South Hills, fittingly known this morning as Sunny Hill. And it is wonderful to see you all here with us this morning. Our mission at Sunny Hill is to create a more just and compassionate community within and beyond our walls. My name is Mary Jo Hennessy, and I serve as a worship associate for this congregation. If you are a newcomer or a visitor to our congregation, please go to sunnyhill.org and click on the button that says New to Sunny Hill. And you can receive more information about our congregation and receive our weekly email newsletter known as The Beat, where you can get information about upcoming events here at Sunny Hill and events that are outside of Sunny Hill itself, but that support our mission. If you are out there joining us online today, a gracious good morning to you as well, and please say hello or good morning in the comments on Facebook or YouTube. We'd love to know that you are out there and extend you a warm welcome as well. Today's service is titled Reproductive Justice Now. As Unitarian Universalists, we are part of a liberatory reproductive justice movement, and today we affirm our commitment to building a world in which all people are able to make choices about their bodies, their health, and their families within safe, thriving communities. And our opening words were written by Deborah Hafner. You are welcome here. If you are straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, intersexual, or asexual, or resist labels completely, you are whole and welcome here. If you are transgender, non-binary, genderqueer, or cisgender, you are whole and welcome here. If you are confused about your sexuality, have questions, struggle in an intimate relationship, or struggle because you aren't in one, you are whole and welcome here. If you have had an abortion or an unintended pregnancy, given up a child, had a miscarriage, have AIDS or HIV, struggle with infertility or sexual dysfunction, you are whole and welcome here. If you have been the victim of sexual abuse, sexual harassment, or sexual assault, you are whole and welcome here. If you have made sexual decisions or had behaviors that you regret, you are welcome here and we will help you offer restorative justice and healing. Your sexuality is holy and sacred and an integral part of who you are. You are whole and welcome here. As Unitarian Universalists, we will side with you, love you, and fight for your rights. We seek to create a world where sexuality and sexual diversity is celebrated with holiness and integrity. And you are welcome here. Now please join me in the words for lighting our chalice. We kindle our chalice as a symbol of the light of love 
that illuminates our path and warms our hearts, even when everything seems dark and cold. When my daughter first started driving a car a few years ago, she started decorating one of our cars as her own. It was her way, I think, of laying claim to this car. It began with subtle changes on the inside of the car that I noticed, a tiny artificial potted plant hanging from the rearview mirror, essential oil diffusers by the air vents, and then it spread to the outside of the car in the form of stickers and magnets with messages related to various social justice issues. We had conversations about the differences between virtue signaling and actually living a virtue-based life. For me, I have no objection to any number of magnets and bumper stickers on anyone's car, including our own, as long as the person displaying those stickers is actually taking action on their implied values and not just slapping a sticker or magnet on their car and then leaving it at that. In the case of my daughter, she is, I think without question, a tireless advocate for the positions that she espouses and has already been involved in more action and advocacy for progressive causes than most adults that I know. So I can't really complain about all those magnets and stickers on the back of our car, though I do reserve the right to occasionally grumble. But there's one sticker in particular that I would like to focus on today that's on the back of our car. It reads simply, trust women. It's such a simple message, and it seems like it should not even be necessary here in the middle of the 21st century, and yet it is necessary. It's necessary because women tend not to be trusted when they report sexual assault or abuse. It is necessary because women tend not to be trusted when they talk about workplace harassment, and gender-based disparities in hiring and promotions. It is necessary because women tend not to be trusted when it comes to making decisions about their own health care, especially reproductive health care. In the wake of the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of the Roe versus Wade abortion rights decision, there may be no important or pressing issue in our country than reproductive justice. It is an issue that will and should be at the center of this year's elections on all levels of government. And it is an issue that is being debated and acted upon at the state, local, and federal levels in ways that will have a huge impact, for better or worse, for generations to come. As Unitarian Universalists, we are deeply committed to action on issues related to reproductive justice. As articulated by the UUA, our Unitarian Universalist faith affirms that all of our bodies are sacred and that we are each endowed with the twin gifts of agency 
and conscience. Each of us should have the power to decide what does and doesn't happen to our bodies at every moment of our lives, because consent and bodily autonomy are holy. And when disparities in resources or freedoms make it more difficult for certain groups of people to exercise autonomy over their own bodies, our faith compels us to take action. As Unitarian Universalists, we embrace the reproductive justice framework, which espouses the right to have children, the right not to have children, the right to parent the children one has in healthy environments, the right to safeguard bodily autonomy, and the right to express one's sexuality freely. As noted by UU Minister Reverend Darcy Roke, to whom I'm indebted for some of my material for this sermon, the reproductive the term reproductive justice, as opposed to simply reproductive rights, was coined by women of color, primarily black women, in the early 1990s to provide a larger framework beyond choice, which often focused solely on abortion access. We recognize the historic significance of Roe v. Wade to the health and lives of women around this country. It must be noted, too, that we Unitarian Universalists have an historical part in this narrative. A group of women in the Dallas Unitarian Church came together to study abortion in 1970, and out of those meetings helped bring the Roe v. Wade case to the Supreme Court. Roke continues, However, after this historic Supreme Court decision, choice still seemed to be reserved largely for white, wealthier women. What choice do you have if there is no accessible clinic? What choice do you have if your reproductive decision-making is dictated by your dire financial straits rather than what you want or need? What choice do you have if you live in a state that is slowly rolling back full health care for women and your white women allies were ignoring your calls for solidarity. And so women of color, those most deeply impacted by the ways in which racism, classism, sexism, and capitalism prey upon all types of reproductive challenges, created a revolutionary new intersectional framework reproductive justice. Reproductive justice, Roke notes, asks us to think holistically and theologically and morally, to see women and men and individuals who identify as both or beyond gender binaries in their fullness and complicated choices, restrictions, joys, and sorrows, to reimagine what it is to birth something or someone into this world and to never forget our inherent worth and dignity as well as the power and need for community, biological, and chosen. Reproductive justice at its core calls us to the simplest and yet seemingly most difficult task. 
seeing each other really and truly and being asked to be seen in all our complexity. To be seen, to be believed, to be trusted is or should be a human right and it should apply to all genders, all races, all ages, all ethnicities. But glaring and alarming disparities continue to exist, especially with regard to reproductive health care. Women, particularly women of color, still tend to be invisible, disbelieved, or distrusted when it comes to their own health. In an interview in Vogue magazine, Serena Williams, arguably the best and most successful professional athlete in the world for 20 or 30 years, shared a harrowing story about how she almost died of blood clots after childbirth. Having experienced pulmonary embolisms before, she knew exactly what was going on with her body, but she was not believed, first in her pain and then in her diagnosis. At a crucial moment in the course of her hospital recovery, Williams was given a different test than the one that she knew she needed. She said, I was like a Doppler in response to an initial test ordered by a doctor. I told you I need a CT scan and a heparin drip. Only after the ultrasound discovered nothing was Williams sent for a CT scan where blood clots were found in her lungs. She said, I was like, listen to me retrospectively musing on what must have been a terrifying situation. Even in immense pain, Williams advocated for herself because seemingly those surrounding her and the medical system did not wish to hear what she knew to be true. Williams is a person of considerable wealth and privilege far more wealthy and in many ways far more privileged than most of us could possibly imagine. And she is an elite athlete who is much more in touch with what is happening with her body than the average person. However, she is a woman and a woman of color. And as a result, she was not heard, seen, believed, or trusted it in the same way that, for example, a white man may have been. Since the beginning of time, men seem to have been obsessed with controlling women's bodies. And the stronger and more powerful a woman becomes, the more she can be seen as a threat to patriarchy. As an example, just take a look at the absurdity of what's happening in the news with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> I promised myself a couple of weeks ago I would never talk about this in church, but I just couldn't resist. The far right is so incensed by a relationship between this amazingly powerful and gifted woman 
and a football player that they start spinning these ridiculous conspiracy theories about what must be going on. But in this case, I really think they have no idea what they are up against. And my Super Bowl prediction <laughs> is that next week, no matter which team scores the most points, Taylor Swift is going to be the winner. <laughs> because she and the Swifties are an absolutely unstoppable force at this moment. But getting back to my larger point, men have been obsessed with controlling women's bodies for a very long time. And there are systems in place, legal, societal, and political systems that keep women from having full bodily autonomy. And right now, some of the most important battles regarding women's agency over their own bodies are taking place in the area of reproductive rights and reproductive justice. There are both discouraging and encouraging developments in reproductive justice right now. One hopeful development occurred recently in Ohio. As described in a UU World Magazine article, in November, in one of the nation's most closely watched ballot questions, Ohioans enshrined reproductive freedom in the state constitution, approving issue one by a 13-point margin. Key to victory was the work of progressive faith-based coalitions, such as the regional interfaith group Greater Cleveland Congregations, or GCC, whose work to defend direct democracy against sabotage by state legislators last summer made the triumph possible. The UU Congregation of Cleveland, a GCC member, is deeply involved in work to defend democracy and secure reproductive rights. The congregation credits two programs from the Unitarian Universalist Association with building their organizing capacity and helping them contribute to the issue one victory. In 2022, the congregation joined UU The Vote's Good Trouble Congregation Program, engaging more than 70 of their members in outreach to potential voters. Additionally, four members of the church participated in the organizing school offered by the Side with Love campaign. Reverend Randy Partain, the congregation's minister, observed of the participants, they came through with hope, enthusiasm, and a new set of organizing tools. Inequities in access to reproductive care due to race, location, gender identification, financial status, and more are why UUs are committed to reproductive justice. Politically speaking, I think it's fair to say that Ohio is a hot mess right now. As I mentioned last week, the state recently overrode a gubernatorial veto and passed an extremist piece of legislation criminalizing gender-affirming care for children and youth. At the same time, coalitions like the one that the UU Congregation of Cleveland participated in are starting to see some success in organizing around reproductive justice issues. 
and there's a lot we can learn from their example and from their experiences. I'd like to give a shout out to our own reproductive justice team here at Sunny Hill. You might have seen them before the service at a table uh, outside. It's being led, if you could just wave, Vivian and Emily are leading our team. <laughs> As I alluded to earlier, UUs have a proud history of organizing to establish and defend reproductive rights and advance a broader reproductive justice agenda. The UUA General Assembly passed its first statement supporting the right to choose abortion back in 1963. And many UUs were active in the clergy consultation service, an underground interfaith network that helped people seeking an abortion get counseling and skilled medical care prior to the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. If we are to be true to our history and to our most deeply held values, we must continue to be involved in the struggle for reproductive justice. To give up or to step back now when so much important work is being done and so many rights are being contested would be an absolute travesty. As a cisgender male, I cannot conceive and give birth, so I may not have as much skin in the game as others. But as a person committed to creating a more just and compassionate community, I have a responsibility to work for reproductive justice for all and to use my privilege and power to organize and work for this justice and to amplify the voices of those who have been disempowered and distrusted for far too long. Going back to my daughter's bumper sticker, which is still, by the way, proudly displayed on our car, trust women. Trust the stories and experiences of the people whose bodily autonomy has been and continues to be denied or threatened. Trust the voices of those who have struggled for centuries to be heard, to be respected, to be included. And no matter who you are, Trust your own power to make a difference for the better. Dr. George Tiller was a physician who provided reproductive health care, including abortion services at a clinic in Wichita, Kansas. He often wore a lapel pin that said on it, trust women. Dr. Tiller said, abortion is about women's hopes, dreams, potential, the rest of their lives. Abortion is a matter of survival for women. Tiller was assassinated by an anti-abortion extremist while Tiller was serving as an usher at his church in Wichita in 2009. The Wichita-based organization Trust Women was founded in Tiller's honor, 
Their mission is to open clinics that provide abortion care in underserved communities so that all people can make their own decisions about their health care. While not all of us will be on the front lines of the struggle for reproductive rights in the same way that Dr. Tiller was, I do think that we all have a role to play in safeguarding the right to reproductive health care. And in the end, without the right to bodily autonomy, other rights just don't matter much. I hope and pray that each one of us will work for reproductive justice for all, now and always. May it be so. Amen. May we please say together the words for extinguishing our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. These closing words were written by Shelley Page. First, listen and learn from those whose lives are so different from yours. Then, passionately speak for justice on behalf of all, that all may live in health, wholeness, and love. Go in peace, seeking justice. <laughs>